This is the Blue Bomber Podcast with CFL Hall of Famer and my broadcast partner, Doug Brown. He was gone. He was off to the races. Just when you thought it was going to be a huge play, a big missed field goal return up the left. Talk about an explosive sudden change play. This place is deadly quiet right now. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at CJOB.com. Hey, hey, it's GMAC along with Doug Brown. It is the Blue Bomber Podcast for another week, and I hope you're having a great week wherever you are, however you may be tuning in, Google Play, iTunes, and uh, we'd love for you to tune in on a regular basis. In fact, you know what you do? You subscribe to the Blue Bomber Podcast, and then when it's ready, it ends up in your inbox automatically, ready for you to play. And speaking of ready to play, Doug Brown is here. He's always ready to play. And why don't we start with Friday night's game, Doug, and qualify the win, if you would, in terms of performances by the overall team. But in particular, two players I thought that jumped off the page, and I suspect you'll agree with me. Chris Streveler, the quarterback who maybe moved from number three to number two on the depth chart. I'll let you determine that. And a Canadian running back who kind of came into... Training camp a little bit late, but showed yeah. he showed flashes of brilliance. His name is Johnny Augustine, and you'll be forgiven if you've never heard that name before. Yeah, so where do you start? Wow. Well, first of all, a win is a win is a win, right? That's what they say. Any win is a good thing. 33-13, um, win by 20, that's outstanding. Regardless of who Edmonton brought to the table, uh, it's going to be a very different team. Obviously, re- week one for the regular season, we see who they bring in then, but... It's always good to get a win. Uh, you know, granted, you know, the Bomber starters for the most part on defense and offense took what a quarter and a half of this game, and uh, quite an inauspicious start, though, huh? It, it's kind of like the football gods reminding you, hey, by the way, you don't have any depth at quarterback, and just in case you need another reminder, here's the first play of the game where your quarterback's actually. Bob and I were up there in the booth, <laughs> and it was the second. The second play was a QB scramble, and I was like, wow, this is. This is kind of risque for Matt Nichols to be running the football on uh, on a QB scramble second and? play of the game, and it wasn't him. And that was, uh, you know, he's like uh, Bob was like, yeah, no, he's actually on the sideline being attended to because uh, because well, he got he got hit probably five six times in this game, um, but you know, it's interesting. You want to talk about the offensive line? It's like uh, a, a chain link, okay. The offensive line. So you have five pieces of chain link, okay? And what they had, what they had, uh, Hardricks was out, right? Jamarcus Hardricks. And so you take one piece of the chain out, and then you take you take Patty Newfeld, who's normally the left guard, and you take him out, and you put him at offensive tackle, and then you elevate someone else to put in a Newfeld spot, and then you had someone new at that tackle. So. You have this chain link, and then you start changing pieces, and it's not strong, right? As soon as you dismantle a chain link, it uh, it's not as not as taut as it was uh, as was before. So some problems there, some pressure by that uh, second string defensive line by Edmonton. I, I heard you talking on the broadcast with regard to the offensive line. All it takes is one player on that O line to make one wrong step. And the whole play can be blown, right? I mean, that's not an overstatement in any way, shape, or form, is it? Yeah, if if everyone's not, if there's no synchronicity, if everyone is not understanding, you know, and going with, they have to act as a unit, right? As as one, as one entity. And when that doesn't happen, yeah, everything uh, everything goes uh, goes up in smoke. So. So there, there were some protection problems there, but you know, guys were playing in in positions out of sort. But 
So while you expect to win, I mean, this just made sense, right? You got Bomber starters against Edmonton Eskimo backups coming here. You expect them to win. Um, but some outstanding performances in spite of that, right? So let's uh, throw some statistics out at you. Chris Strevler came in 10 of 10, clearly 100% completion percentage, 140 yards and one touchdown. That was an 80-yard bomb. It was a little bit of an unorthodox bomb. Miles White had to make a move back to the ball, but did that, caught the ball, took it in for a touchdown. Here's Strebler going long for Miles White, and he makes nice. the catch, and he's gone. They won't catch him. He's got awesome speed. White for a touchdown for the Blue Bombers. What did you think of the play and the performance of Chris Strebler? Yeah, I'm, I mean, how do you... How do you follow that up, right? You you go 10 for 10, uh, what was it, 140 yards or something like that. Uh, throws for a touchdown as well. Has a couple big runs. Scrambles very well. And he just looked uh, beyond his years in terms of the maturity he had, the poise he had in the pocket. Uh, he wasn't afraid to check things down. You could see him going through his progression. Wasn't afraid to give it to his uh, safety outlet valve there. Didn't force the ball downfield, but had some big strikes uh, like we saw to Miles White, that was, on that on that big play. So, fantastic game overall by him. You have to think he's going to get a lot more time in BC, but... Now the opportunity changes as well. You know, that's where you talk about qualifying the win against Edmonton. Okay, well, it was primarily backups. Five uh, players expected to start on their entire roster out of 24 starters on offensive and defense. That's not their strongest, anywhere near their strongest suit. And that's the way the CFL has been of late is uh, when it comes to preseason games, everyone has a home game and away game. And the way teams are uh, operating in these things is that the home games are the ones where they tend to give their starters time. I don't know if they feel they're safer at home or they're closer to emergency medical services. It or could be like as that, simple as just letting the, the fans yeah, get a look yeah. oh, at the better the players, you, right? You them up there, but, and then the, the road game is the one where if you're going to leave guys or there's older vets, you don't want involved, you know, and, that, and that's what BC did in their first game against Calgary. I mean, they took their starting offensive line and their starting quarterback, but none of their starting defense was out there. Uh, not a lot of the starting receivers or big name receivers went to Calgary. They still end up winning in that game but when you see a guy like Jonathan Jennings getting five snaps in Calgary guess what game he's going to get a lot more snaps the home game that BC's playing against Winnipeg this Friday so if these guys if Chris Streveler as well as Johnny Augustine if they don't miss a step if they don't miss a beat from from preseason game number one to preseason game number two that's going to be an eye-opener for you, right? Because now they're going up, they're increasing the level of talent. And this is actually kind of a unique situation for the Bombers just in the transition of competition, the gradual increment of trans of, of competition, how it's increasing, right? You look at the easiest level of competition, and that's training camp. Now you're like, well, how is that easy? You're practicing against each other. It's just the tempo isn't the same as game speed, right? So it's... It's easier to look good and perform well in practice. And so then what's the, the next easiest baby step from there is, is a preseason game where a team doesn't bring any of its starters. So that's Edmonton, right? So now the next evolution, escalation of this talent and competition is going to be the BC game because they're going to be playing a bunch of their starters. And Winnipeg's probably not going to be bringing all their starters, right? So now you got to do more with less and you're facing a tougher, a tougher crowd. And then, of course, the final step and ex- escalation on all this will be that first regular season home game when 
when Riley and a whole bunch of faces that didn't show up here the first time right. come in tow. So that is, these are these small stepping stones of training camp. Usually, sometimes it's training camp to, oh, you got to face all these starters on the row, and then you come home, and then you you get that. It's not always an order like this. This is a nice, gradual, ascending slope for this team. And it's effective in the sense that a guy like Streveler, a guy like Augustine, they have some confidence now. You know, walking around a little moxie. These guys probably been interviewed more this past week. They have their entire lives, right? And they have some confidence. But now, it's like, okay, you did this in step one and two in training camp and against Edmonton. Can you do it now on the road in BC against those same guys, right? And that's going to be the next big test for these guys if they want a, a spot and to vie for uh, for time on the roster. So Johnny Augustine, eight carries, 81 yards, not bad. Tidy little 10.1 rushing average, and uh, he had one touchdown. That was a beautiful run where he hit all the holes. He dodged a couple of potential tacklers, and almost after he got to the second level, Doug, he went into the end zone essentially untouched. And the handoff to Augustine, breaks a tackle, touch. Touchdown, Johnny Augustine up the middle, and he has a 17-yard touchdown run. And this this is how new Johnny Augustine is? They don't even have a feature page for him within the Winnipeg Blue Bomber website. When you click on his name, it goes to something called Page Not Found. So Johnny Augustine is very much looking forward to an opportunity to create an excuse for the Blue Bomber staff and Ed Tate, etc., to create his own uh, webpage at bluebombers.com. So what does the BC game mean? You've talked about the idea, Doug, that this is the next step in evolution for young players, new players, new to the organization, an opportunity to perform, and you actually like the way the schedule is set up because it is that sort of natural progression. Graduation, yeah. Right? And Ed Tate and I were talking about, well, you know, it's only exhibition. Hold on. Well, at what point do you get credit for what you've done in the preseason? I suspect you'll get credit for it Friday night if you do it against Vancouver. Yeah, I mean, that's just it. That is the final validation of players in your roster. If they can perform well against a starting group, we don't know how long starters are going to be in there, so on and so forth. We don't know what Winnipeg's going to take out there right now. But it's very possible guys like Streveler, guys like Augustine are going to be playing against a higher caliber of players now. And this is their validation. If they still play well, if they still have, you know, I don't think – I don't think anyone thinks that Johnny Augustine is going to have another 10-yard average. I don't think anyone thinks that Chris Stubler is going to compete, uh, complete 100% of his passes going out there. But if they even remotely resemble themselves and, and the, the, the traits you saw in the first preseason game, then that is validation for these guys. And that tells you, hang on, these guys can actually contribute and, and you know, potentially get an opportunity in, in the regular season. The thing we liked about uh, Johnny Augustine – uh, was there was no hesitation. You know, he was fearless in terms of hitting holes. And and it's, you know, in between the tackles, that's that's big boy land, right? That's, uh, you got to have your pads underneath you. And, and uh, if a nose tackle gets clear or a three technique gets clear or a linebacker comes downhill and gets you square in the hole, that is something that, you know, when you're throwing caution to the wind and you're running full speed without hesitation into those holes, you know that's a that's a level of of courage. I think even Michael Shea remarked on that about that one play when uh, Augustine. I think he made a bounce it outside or something like that. But one of the linebackers came downhill, full speed, met him square in the hole, and it was a big hit. It was a pop. First and foremost, great job by Augustine to keep ball security. 
right? But he almost ran through that as well, right? Like he won that contest and he just got tripped up. And if you hit a linebacker square and he goes down, you stay up and you continue on with that ball. I mean, that's that's unbelievable, right? That's, uh, that's talk about running through a tackle. But once again, it's, it'll be a difference between seeing, me do, seeing these guys perform this way and do it against Edmonton. Now you go to BC. It's the next step in the evolution. You have to keep improving and building your game. You do something like that against a guy like Elaminian. That's a whole nother. Right. That's a whole nother ball game. You know what I'm saying? He if he hits you square in the hole and you run through that tackle and and you know you almost break it and he just brings you down by a shoestring. That's a whole nother world of uh, of of respect. Is there a potential naivete on Augustine's part, not understanding exactly what he might be meeting when he's hitting those holes as fast as he is? Well, yeah. Well, I think you know he'll notice a difference whether he knows who he's going to be running into or not against BC. But... He does practice against Adam Big Hill every day, yeah. so let's not take that away from him. Uh, I want to uh, Alex Ross, the former British Columbia Lion, who was penciled in, and I really hope it was in pencil as the. Back Backup to Matt Nichols because uh, he was one for eight for eight yards, a 12.5% completion percentage. Most of us can do that math in our head. Uh, it just equals not very good. And he shorted a couple of passes to receivers that were wide open. Uh, did Alex Ross do himself any favors last Friday night? Well, you know, to me, Ross just being number two is virtue by the fact that he'd thrown a whopping 12 passes in the CFL. <laughs> and so, so what kind of thing? You know, right. 12 passes? That's that's, uh, that's not exactly what we call a body of work or something you throw on your resume. So he's as green as uh, Strevler out there, and Strevler just outcompeted him. Who knows what will happen in BC, right? Maybe maybe they'll flip-flop. Who knows? You know, you always want to look for consistency mm-hmm. and uh, and development along young guys, so you don't want them to be, uh, you know, this to be an inversely uh, swapped out in terms of one of them now say Ross having a whale of a game and, and Strevler, you know, struggling yeah, well, then there. what do you do? Right. Then, then you're back to square one. You saying, really don't know what you have, right? Exactly. Then you're, but you know, to me, it's still not a, after what happened in, in play one where, where Nichols went down and, and had to be attended to on the sideline, regardless, I mean, if Strevler goes 10 for 10 again in BC, right. Okay. I'm you still, still got I'm still zero. Not excited. I still no. don't feel good about no. the prospect of Nichols not being involved. You know, of it's course. still takes. I mean, for quarterbacks, oh, seasons on seasons, right? And mm-hmm. they just need the uh, the opportunity, the time, the reps, the being you, exposed to the program and the game. There's so much. You want to talk about learning curves? Very different for a running back as it is for a quarterback. So there's just so much out there, and uh, you know, having an experience at that position, no matter how. I mean, even if it's Johnny Manziel. Right now, you know, mm-hmm. new in the CFL, you're still not looking forward to if if Nichols gets banged up and misses a couple of games because they have to learn the hard way and they cut their teeth um, sometimes uh, at your expense, right? So we'll see what happens, but uh, you just hope for a, a progression and continual development. But in, by no means do you feel, hey, we're stacked now. We got a, we had a great emergency plan. Okay, uh, real quick here, I'm going off script for one question here. AJ Coney. He uh, took a missed field goal on the return, uh, 18 yards deep in the end zone. You got to wonder if he's doing that, if he's doing that in a regular season game. He's clearly trying to make an impression, right? A guy that we haven't talked about in any way, shape, or form. Bob Irving hasn't discussed him, uh, but he went out and made a play on Friday night. I guess that's what you have to do from time to time if you want to get noticed. And these guys aren't just playing for jobs as blue bombers. Let's be honest 
honest about it. There are eight other teams in the Canadian Football yeah. League, and you're trying to impress somebody somewhere if you can't catch on where you're in a training camp. Film is film, so you can take it anywhere you want, right? If, and if one team is stacked at a position and there's no room for you, then there's room there's room elsewhere, right? Not everybody has the same strengths uh, across the CFL, so it's uh, it's just putting together your resume, and uh, that's that's what film is, and uh, you know it's uh, always in your best interest to have the best camp you can because whether it translates in Winnipeg or elsewhere, uh, obviously uh, you know players can get opportunities in, in multiple different ways throughout this league. Now, I know we have brilliant football fans that listen to this this podcast and listen to the broadcasts. Uh, some will know, most may know, what a depth chart is. Some may not. So what is a depth chart, Doug? And why does it bother you so much that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers don't appear to have one, at least publicly? Well, it doesn't. It doesn't bother me. It's just, it's, it's, well, you wanted to talk about it today. It's an unusual approach. Basically, you know, when you go to a game, uh, you have the positions laid out and you have a depth chart in terms of who's first string, second string, third string, so on and so forth. So you can understand with what unit is out there, you know, who's playing, they got their starters, so on and so forth. Gives you an idea of the battle stroke camp and everything. So, so what happened at the game though, from, uh, from the Winnipeg office, we got a numerical, positional chart instead where we got every position on the football field and the players were just listed uh in uh by number right so if you're number four you would be first and then 15 for the quarterbacks and then 17 then 18 so absolutely no um a reveal of where these guys are i mean granted you can look at this numerical position chart <laughs> and for 95% of the players you know sure who's first right. and who's second and who's third at each spot for the most part but it's just you know sometimes i've seen this before you oh you've seen I, it I, before I one year with Doug Barry he didn't want uh he did't want depth charts in training camp and because, you know, the, a lot of coaches, there's multiple reasons why they do this. One, they want everyone to think that every spot is up for grabs. Okay, that's okay? fair. Which if, is a lie. Uh, but you Of know, course, but if I'm a fan, I, okay. No, if you're that's a player, a, yeah, if you're a player, it's that's great. A, that's a mirage uh, that I'm, that you, I'm you interested in, yourself, right? You can fool yourself. For all, hey, there's no depth chart. Sure. Mom, I, I could be first string. I just don't know it right now. Yeah, guess what? You know if you're first string. Um, so one is, it. you know, there's been times I've been on training camps where there's been players that have quit. Because they just see how many people are in front of them, and they're like, "This is Mission Impossible." Really, I'm out of here. Oh, Americans, all the time. We had so many problems on the offensive line. Guys were just like, they see who's in front of them, they see how entrenched they are, they see how much better they are. They're like, "I don't have a hope," and and we didn't really care that they were gone, but it affected the reps. Right, That's wild. guys get more too many reps you sure. get exposure you get injured you, you're beat up going into regular season so you're trying to tell me there are there is such a thing as having human practice dummies oh yeah yeah oh, they're everywhere. that's that's a yeah. real thing yeah <laughs> okay so, good that's one of the reasons. Uh, so coaches want you to think that every job is up for grabs. Uh, they don't want to discourage any of the players. They want they don't want any attrition during during training camp. And uh, oh, and then the last reason they would do something like this is they don't want you to know who's playing where, kind of thing, right? Like you have receivers, and it goes from number one zero one Darvin Adams all the way to number eighty nine Tyler Henry. Okay, and you don't know who's playing boundary, who's playing slot. And it's the same with defensive backs, right? You have number zero, Derek Jones, all the way to number 42, Jacob Ferlot. And you don't know who's playing, who's playing half, who's playing corner, who's playing. 
they're just in a position grouping like that. So it's a way to disguise who's playing where, and it's a way to just not share this information. And honestly, <laughs> normally you only get it by, you know, you get coaches that get a little paranoid right. and, and are looking for something to do something, you know, to uh, overcomplicate a, a simple matter. But uh, who knows? Well, maybe we'll ask them uh, in the BC game. We'll get a clarification. If we get another numerical position chart, I promise you I'm going to ask in the post-game show. I'm like, why do we not have a depth chart? And I, I would guarantee you it would be for one of those reasons why, you know, they want everyone to believe they have that opportunity and they don't necessarily want to reveal in training camp who's exclusively playing where, so on and so forth. That would be my educated guess. Well, the Blue Bombers have plenty of defensive linemen in camp. The offensive line, probably pretty set. I think there's some competition still at receiver. Johnny Augustine, who we spoke about extensively, obviously going to make things potentially interesting at running back. The fact that he's a Canadian suggests to me he's not going anywhere until he proves that he can't play after what he did in that first in that first preseason game and then of course uh, the linebacking core will sort itself out uh, maybe some conversations to be had in the defensive backfield but we'll figure that all out as we make our way towards the home opener the season opener June 14th against the Edmonton Eskimos Doug Brown always a pleasure my friend one more one more preseason game find out who the real deals are on this roster it all could right. be exciting BC Right on. We'll uh, catch up with you next week. This is the Blue Bomber Podcast featuring all-star defensive linemen and Hall of Famer Doug Brown. I'm Greg Mackling. Have a great one. The Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at cjob.com.